Hello and welcome to Gun Lawyer. This is Evan Knappen and I want to give a special welcome to all my L2AL listeners. This is uh, how we have to be these days and it's something we all want to be, living the 2A lifestyle. What I want to talk about today is a kind of a big picture view of things that are going on that I find disturbing. And we're seeing snapshots, but I don't see anyone putting together the bigger picture and combining the elements that are out there. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. If any of you have ever experienced acquiring an NFA item, a National Firearm Act regulated item, such as a silencer, a machine gun, a short barrel rifle, etc., then you know you have to file special paperwork with the feds on that item and that it is registered federally. They are registered. You pay a tax. It can be $200 uh, depending on what the item is. And this law, this NFA, this National Firearm Act registration process and law, goes back to the 1930s, 1934 National Firearm Act. Now, this act was the first major federal gun law ever passed. So it was the federal government passing a federal gun law in the 30s. And, of course, it was sold to the public via the hysteria of the, you know, gangland violence, the organized crime, the... Uh, movies of the day showing all this violence by the mob, right? The uh, machine guns being utilized, the gangsters, silencers, etc. And just like today where the media presents us with uh, a bad picture of firearms, they were doing that in the in the 30s, and the result ended up being the National Firearms Act. And this act was really laid the groundwork for gun laws that we've been fighting to this day. Now, the original National Firearms Act, the original national gun law for America, was not what we ended up with. And it's interesting, if I've read all the congressional transcripts of the NFA and how it got uh, into its final form. Do you know that the original National Firearms Act, as proposed, was a complete ban, if you will, or registration with taxation used as the way of prohibiting possession? That was the tactic. Because remember, $200 in 1934 was quite a lot of money, all right? And the idea behind the National Firearms Act was to ban all handguns were prohibited in the original 1934 Act, all handguns. All fully automatic and semi-automatic firearms were prohibited under the NFA, the original NFA. 
and all magazines over 12 rounds. That was their magic number back then. And after the National Firearm Act went through the legislative process, it ended up in a final form that we know today, where machine guns are prohibited but not semi-autos. Handguns have been removed from the NFA. It was interesting reading the progress. Originally, when they were debating, they said, okay, how about we just allow 22 target pistols, 22s, right, that caliber. And then next thing you see, no, they're going to just completely still allow handguns. They were deemed too useful and important and whatever. So those weren't part of it. And you saw the magazine ban was dropped. Semi-autos got dropped. And we ended up with what we have today. But the interesting thing is the items that were not included in the National Firearm Act have still been the very things that we fight current battles over. We fight battles over handgun bans and restrictions. We're fighting bans and proposals of magazine prohibition. We're fighting semi-auto firearm bans under the, you know, the new speak words that they use, such as assault firearm, you know, for any semi-auto or whatever they're trying to scare you with over handguns. And these are the kind of things that we see. So this is the evolution. So the, the NFA was a problem from the beginning. And unfortunately, pro-gun forces at the time were naive. And in the end, even the NRA supported the National Firearms Act. Now, look, that's hindsight. I mean, looking back, you know, the NRA proclaimed in the riflemen at the time, we've solved the gun problem in the United States with this new law. You know, manufacturers themselves supported it, you know, with uh, with the machine gun prohibition, et cetera. They testified in favor of this. So there's a lot of naive folks that thought this would be a good thing and a compromise and acceptable and not affect the sportsmen, et cetera, the same mentality that you hear the antis when they try to sell their anti-gun garbage today. And looking back, you know, it's easy for us to criticize, and and I'm not here to bash those that supported it, but looking back, we can't ignore the truth. And the truth is that it was a mistake, okay? I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying we have to be honest. It was a mistake. It was a mistake because it laid the groundwork for other federal gun laws, battles, and an acceptance that somehow a gun law was not a problem under the Second Amendment and that somehow it could do good, which we know it hasn't done any good. It doesn't stop crime. It has no effect on crime. It's not about crime. This is how it gets sold to us. These current battles we're still fighting with the foundation of the National Firearms Act. And remember, that was based on the federal power of taxation at the time. Because you see, federal powers hadn't grown to what they are today. We didn't have the Wickard versus Filburn case dramatically expanding the federal power of interstate commerce so that anything that affects interstate commerce, the Fed suddenly had power to make laws about. Now, they, they, they were hoping and praying that basing it on taxation 
would somehow be upheld by the court so that they could use the power of taxation to regulate and control guns and also drugs, hence the Harrison Drug Act, and other things. And this was the expansion of federal power, which normally these things were left to the states and the feds and the federal government would say, look, this is something we can't deal with, only the states can. But that's no longer even said, right? And with the taxation power, which is why, by the way, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms came under the Treasury Department. You say, why is it under Treasury and not Justice? Well, it's Treasury because it was taxation, you see. And that's what the original NFA was based on. And along comes the 68 Gun Control Act, you know, creating even more laws and this network of federal dealers and other federal prohibitions and ending mail-order guns and creating prohibitors. And that law ended up based on a power of interstate commerce. They didn't rely on taxation for that. But the NFA still stayed in place as a foundation. So if we come forward to today, we have the NFA, where folks are eager to own NFA items. Now, with suppressors, there's been a huge increase in suppressor ownership, and it is something that many folks find very useful, and that's because of the hearing protection that comes from a suppressor. Many in Europe are shocked that the U.S. even prohibits suppressors, even though they have strict gun control, because the suppressor should not be put in some category of intrinsic evil. It's a useful accessory that protects hearing. Can you imagine if every car we had uh, did not have a muffler, what that would be like? Well, this is it. Why are we blowing our ears out with our guns? It's absurd. So suppressors have greatly increased, and other firearms such as SBRs, short barrel rifles, right, importance there. On machine guns and full autos, unfortunately, because of the 1986 Act where the uh, where there was a ban on new manufacture of machine guns called the Hughes Amendment, and that being put forward, we ended up with a ban on new manufacture, and there became a very limited number of full autos that were in the marketplace because you couldn't put any new ones into the market. So if any of you have ever looked at prices on a fully automatic firearm, they're incredibly expensive, and that's because there's a very limited market of registered transferable machine guns that are available because the National Firearms Act registration is limited to just those that existed prior to the Hughes Amendment. But not so with suppressors and not so with SBRs. And $200 tax today is nothing like a $200 tax in 34. So lo and behold, what do we have going on? Well, we have this National Firearms Act that creates a national firearms registration, but only of these specific items that the 34 Act covered. But you know that the goal of the antis is full registration. You know this is what they want, 
And now what we have is a new development that I think bodes poorly for our gun rights. And it's something that we need to seriously think about and realize the direction that this is going. And when we get back from the break, I'm going to fill you in now that the background has been laid to understand the threat that is before us. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Hey, okay. Uh, back here for uh, our discussion. This is something we really need to think about and be aware of. So the Folks that listen to Gun Lawyer, you're the ones that are going to know this because I don't see this being put together anywhere else out there. It needs to be understood in a big picture. And uh, and this big picture is as follows. The ATF, they recently, Justice, et cetera, they've, they've, they've put out that they're going to promulgate the pistol brace rule in August. So they've announced, even though they put in the register what they wanted to do and well over 200,000 comments were filed, mostly all of them opposing this, it is not going to stop them. They're going to put out this rule that essentially makes the pistol brace into an SBR firearm on a handgun, and this is going to make it an NFA-regulated firearm. So there's an estimate of anywhere, you know, 3 to 30 million pistol-braced firearms out there. So think about this. The rule is going to come down in August official. Now, what ATF and company have recently done is made it so that the NFA as we know it, you no longer have to file the physical forms. Because when you would want to make a purchase of, say, a suppressor, you had to do 
actual paper paperwork and mail it in and send in the prints and send in the money and the whole bit. And then it was manually processed, you see. And it took months and months and months, eight months, nine months, a year. It just was ridiculous the wait that you had to wait for your NFA to process. And what ATF has done, what they've done is they've they've made it computerized. This is what they launched. They launched the ability to submit your NFA registration, paperwork, etc., online. And therefore, yes, speeding up the process so that now you can get your NFA items within a matter of a few months as opposed to the exorbitant time periods that it took for the physical processing. Now, on that hand, it seems like a good thing because the bureaucracy is no longer uh, as inefficient and delaying these things as it was in the old adage about a right delayed is a right denied, and I get all that. And currently, the ability to do this and have a speedier uh, result, I get it. it. It sounds on its face like a good thing, but I want to think beyond that because think what they're really doing. What they're really doing is automating and creating a system that builds a machine, a registration machine. That's what's being done. And this registration machine through the NFA is within six months because the ATF said in August, in August, how convenient, in August, they're going to promulgate the pistol brace rule. So between now and August and six months, they have a half a year to get any of the rest of the bugs out of the system, to have the machine all greased and oiled and ready to roll, and then the registration hits of pistol, brace, SBR registration. And they get to do it all by computer. Now just think, if that didn't exist, just think how incredibly overwhelmed the system would be trying to manually, manually process millions of NFA registrations. they just collapse under the weight trying to do that. It would be years in delay. It would be enormous. So the solution? Ah, computers. So they set this system up now. It's no coincidence that they initially asked for more time to consider the rule, and then they got this program finally online, and now they're announcing another six months, and then they're going to actually promulgate. All that just times so perfectly into the registration machine being created. And then will come the test. The test will be the registration of all these NFA pistol brace items. And as they do that and get that done and under their belt of all these new registrations, the machine is ready. The machine is ready to pick up where NFA left off. It's ready for a semi-auto ban, a federal semi-auto ban 
where registration gets done by computer, fully automated, ready to roll. We'll get them all registered. It's fully laid out to get that handgun mandatory registration database, National Firearm Registration of All Handguns. The anti-gunner's dream in a registration machine perfected and up and running all by way of this path that I've laid out. Now, it doesn't just end there because on a whole other path is the recent news that the ATF has compiled nearly one billion records in a registry. That's right. Due to the good work of gun owners of America, particularly, it has been revealed that ATF has taken all of these records of federal firearm licensees, the 4473s, of licensees that have gone out of business, and they have registered them and digitized them and are doing this contrary to the law, by the way. Now, there are no record keeping and ATF has a million excuses, but it's confirmed they've already got 54 million of these records. And this was then further revealed by uh, Gun Owners of America, by the way. And they've discovered that in total, this is based on an ATF response, in total, ATF manages, ready for this, folks, 920 million, 920 million digital records of hard copies and others that are also awaiting conversion. And of those, already 865 million of those records, 865 million are in digitized format. So now I want you to think about this. ATF has the database of existing prior transfers by out-of-business FFLs, all that information. They're creating a registration machine for real-time current registration. And you combine it, and now you see the total package of identifying gun owners and their registered firearms. And it's outrageously scary. And yet, we're marching right into this. Because the registration is the danger. You got to know the four words that have echoed through history. Legislation, registration, then confiscation, and then extermination. And you've seen it repeat through history. We are now in the stages of the registration. And the next goal will be the confiscation. But first, they need the registration. And these databases, both real-time as created by the registration machine under NFA, and the prior records 
are going to give this database and the ability to reach out. And you know, the confiscation is going to start with letters, letters from the feds, like you get an IRS letter, we're going to get an ATF letter about guns that they know you have. And then they're going to be demanding, and you've seen this play out in states. You've seen it play out at local levels where the states have passed gun registration, and the next thing they're doing is confiscation. You saw it in New York. You see it happening. And this is the plan. So this is the long game. This is the politics that they are playing. And right now we may rejoice that our NFA items can come to us faster than when it was manual. But what this registration machine's threat that it poses is incredibly serious. And we've got to recognize what's going on and we've got to stop ATF with their registration schemes on both the prior records and the current records and other purchases. Because folks, since 1934, when there was a quote, compromise, and the quote, the gun problem was solved for the US, end quote, it wasn't, it hasn't been. They're still up to their same game. And that same game is elimination of our Second Amendment rights. It's absolutely where they want to go, and they haven't given up. I mean, we could argue that from 34 to 68, for that 30-plus year period, things were pretty good for gun rights. No other major things, really. But you know what? In between there, we had wars and other things that were occupying us and our focus and our attention. But in reality, the groundwork that was laid, it's still being built upon. It's being built upon by using high tech, by now our ability to store data in such amazingly small spaces. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Just from a personal level, I went to the uh, Best Buy to get a flash drive and it's half the size of the other stick flash drive. It's like the size of my thumbnail. And, it, and that little thumbnail holds 256 gigabytes. Just that. Just that. So the ability to store all this tremendous data is there. They have it. And this is where it's going. And this is a danger a danger to our rights. And look, it, it was tried to be addressed by saying you couldn't make a database out of these records. And what are they looking, and they're looking to do it. They find the workaround, the loophole, the workaround, or they just ignore it, who cares? And they violate the law or the spirit of the law because nothing's gonna stop them. They're gonna keep pushing what their goal is. This is what they're up to. We've got to maintain this vigilance. We've got to see the big picture. We've got to get things in place to stop this from happening. It's what they're planning. Then throw into the mix so-called smart guns as well. Now they can have the computerization into the gun to control the gun, to know who has it, 
to put it into registration database, to maintain control, confiscate, turn off. The technology, as it rapidly progresses, is unfortunately a threat to our rights. And look, I love technology. Many of it is, it's incredible, so many things that we're able to do from GPS to getting questions answered on the internet and Googling this and that. I mean, I get it. There's advantages, but there's also this very dark downside as our technology is there to actually make the ability to have the anti-gun dreams come true. And we've got to recognize that that is out there. We've got to stop it in every way. It's going to come back and bite us. And I'm warning you now, today, about it. Think about it, and you'll see the threat. Think about this big picture. Make sure you're on board to defend and fight. Make sure you belong to the organizations that protect our rights. Make sure you vote for the folks that are dedicated to the Second Amendment. Make sure you live the Second Amendment lifestyle in every way. It's what you can do as an individual. Be vigilant and knowledgeable. Recognize the threat. And L2AL. This is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.